Hi everyone, welcome to Potluck Food Talks. Today we're going to talk about ramen. Ramen, the the hard blood of any hipster neighborhood. <laughs> food that's, uh, that uh, has become so incredibly popular around the world in the last, uh, what, no, how many years? Did we mention ramen in the cultural appropriation episode? I don't think we did, no. Because ramen is uh, an example like of a positive, I would say, cultural appropriation, because this is like a Chinese soup made Japanese uh, with its own identity to the point that nobody sees it uh, as a Chinese thing because it's not anymore. Yeah, totally. Uh, I also feel like ramen is very open to development and to like experimentation inside of the boundaries of what ramen is. I feel like they're very sort of fixed parameters that if you fall inside of them and you don't bastardize them, you know, completely, that you could still call it ramen and like very confidently sell it as ramen. And nobody's really going to question the authenticity of it. No, I agree. There are also, I think, like things that are not ramen, sold as ramen, When I think about ramen, I think about a specific type of broth or a, a family of broths and a family of noodles, at least in my prejudice. I don't know if you get to see ramen soups with, I don't know, with some strange noodles that you wouldn't see usually in ramen places. But for me, that's a noodle soup with Asian ingredients. Yeah, definitely. I mean, imagine imagine a ramen with like flat rice noodles. It's impossible. Exactly, exactly. Well, I remember the, the first time I went to a ramen place, it was really magical because uh, it was the first time in a long time that I tried something that had like a completely different flavor profile. I remember it was a shio ramen, which is basically a chicken stock with with dashi, right? With, with uh, like finished with, with katsubushi and That on one side, like the, the taste of the stock, and on the other side, the the qualities of the noodles. These noodles are, that looks like spaghetti, but it's chewy and elastic. And I was completely amazed also that you could play around your soup and find new things that were hidden. I mean, it's like a, it's one of my favorite things in the world for sure. Yeah, for sure. And and yeah, you know, it's like I I also remember it's like it, ramen has this like infinite quality to it, you know. It's so like simple and pure, but there's so much nuance to it, you know. Like you were mentioning the sort of like what people call the double soup approach, you know, like where you make two soups and then combine them together. For example, you know, in, in a lot of places in, uh, that make shio ramen. So, um, I mean, first, before we go into detail, you know, is shio ramen, is shoyu ramen. Shio ramen is seasoned with salt, shio salt, and shoyu is seasoned with uh, soy sauce. And um, they're both fairly similar, just that uh, before serving you, uh, for shoyu ramen, you put something called tare uh, in the base, uh, which is a, a sauce made from soy sauce and uh, mirin and kombu and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, this like double soup approach is like often you make a very clear, intense chicken stock and then you make a very, you know, traditional dashi, which is a, the Japanese broth made with, you know, katsubushi, dried bonito flakes and, and often also niboshi which are the small anchovies, the dried anchovies. And then you strain both of those broths and combine them together, which makes a really, really complex and very intense soup. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's very unique flavor. It's a very, very Japanese flavor that's like, is, you can't really find, or you can definitely not find anywhere around the world. It's very, very unique. Yeah, also, 
another thing that I have experienced eating ramen uh, because this place, uh, the first place I went uh, was the old place of Cocolo Ramen in Berlin. This place was so magical because it was so little, like just like a, a floor where, where they built like a bar inside and you would eat direct to the bar and everybody was, was like, like, it was really crowded. You, you had to wait in line to, to get in and they would cook just in front of you, just like ramen places in, in Japan. And I remember this place, um, they probably saw their, their food costs at some point and started like... Um, I don't know, but, but Japanese friends of mine, they, they said they really liked it at the beginning. And with time, not so much. I guess like this effort of over-reducing the stock to make it more powerful is something that Japanese see or understand better than other uh, kind of, of clients. So like in general, the ramens I've tried in Europe, they're all watery. They could be stronger, Yeah, the stock at least in my experience. Yeah, it's a super, it's so crucial. And like really, like when you go to Japan and you kind of spend a little bit of time in like traditional Japanese cooking, you understand this like approach and this understanding of broth, you know? It's like, I think what the kind of separates Japanese cooking from other cuisines is that it's primarily water-based, you know? And one of the strongest identities and dishes in, in Japanese cooking is dashi. If you go to any sort of high-end Japanese kaiseki restaurant, most of the time around the year, you'll find a a dashi dish in the that's fully based on the broth, you know, and they call it um, ichiban dashi, you know, the first flush of the dashi, the first infusion of the ingredients. And um, it's a really impactful experience, kind of like what you described the first time when you went to, um, when you had ramen for the first time, because the broth is so concentrated without being over-seasoned or anything. It's just so fully packed of like its its essence and it's piping hot, which is also super, super crucial. And you, you, sip, you sip it, you eat it, and it's just kind of, it just fills you out. And this is like such a straw, for me, it was like one of the most fundamental things, like most one of the most important things that I discovered about Japanese cooking when I was there. And that is a little bit difficult to understand for people from the West. And um, when you then eat ramen outside of Japan, that often it's like you say, it doesn't have the same intensity and often also doesn't have the same temperature, which I think is super, super crucial because there's nothing like in Japan when you get a bowl of soup, you take it's so piping hot that you can barely take the first sip like it's just off the boil but if it was anything but that people would send it back you know because there's nothing compared to this feeling of sipping this broth and having this like wave of comfort like flood over you and you just don't get that when the broth is like 80 degrees do you know this dish? I don't remember the name, but it's like um, it's a traditional Japanese dish where you get uh, baby eels that are alive and they're swimming in the dashi. And at the center of the dish, there is like this silken tofu. And so they they turn the fire on and the eels, because they, they get, it gets so hot, they swim into the tofu in front of the guest who is watching and says, oh, and all the eels go into the tofu. And that's one of the most intense dishes I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like a really fucked up kind of instant gouda cheese. <laughs> 
Yeah, and no, I've I've definitely seen that. Uh, I've not actually eaten it myself, and I never I never saw a restaurant like that served that dish. It must be like a really special, maybe like probably like very seasonal thing. You know, I mean, like baby eels, they don't come around so often as we know. You know, I mean, baby eels very popular in Spain too. So, what kinds of ramen do we have? We mentioned shoyu, shio, tonkotsu is also a classic one, and for me, tonkotsu has to be the nearest thing to drink pork use because it's like so intense it's something like you would really want to eat in, in winter and it usually comes sort of with pork belly right yeah so uh yeah tonkotsu is really interesting because like you say it's, it's a pork broth and it's very fatty um in a way but it's really really interesting because it's made from pork bones only pork bones and you boil them one time and you pour all the water off so you get rid of all the impurities and then you let it boil you fill it back up with water and you let it boil for a really 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 long time to get all the like collagen and stuff out of it but then what you do is like afterwards when you strain it you cook it down on a hard boil so often when you cook down broth you want to do it on a low temperature so that all the aromatics don't combust into into the steam right but there you boil it down on a hard temperature so that all the fat and this collagen emulsifies into the water and if you don't do that you could don't get this like thick creamy texture of the broth so that's really like that's also a really interesting thing that i've never ever seen in any other sort of like cooking approach around the world and yeah like you say you know the toppings you know they're very usually it's like uh yeah chasu which is a chinese term for roast pork but in in japan it's usually Um, like shoulder or um, that's rolled up and you basically make like a um, uh, like a roast you know like uh, it's tied up into a roll into a roulade yeah now i remember it's not pork belly it's this like yeah the slices of yeah. of roast mm -hmm. yeah, yeah 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 i mean you definitely find pork belly also but i think that's more of like a modern and also like a little bit more of a western thing but like usually it's this these like rolls of pork belly it can be neck or anything and they poach it and then cool it down and then slice it thinly sometimes they even they char grill the slices also and yeah uh, what else pickled bamboo shoots very very crucial garnish and uh, for tonkotsu also very important is the black Black garlic oil, which is a very interesting condiment. Again, something that I've never seen anywhere else is where you burn crushed or chopped garlic on a controlled heat until it's, it turns black and it flavors the oil and you strain it off. I've tried to make it several times and I've always failed. No matter how many YouTube tutorials I watch, I can't get it right because burnt garlic is horrible. It's absolutely disgusting. It's like inedible. It's super bitter and it has this really horrible taste like it there's nothing pleasant about it but if you do it just the right way then you get this really roasty toasted caramelized black garlic oil but um, me personally i can't figure out how to make it i personally going back to the bone broth you were saying uh, the times i've done like good ramen with good, good results uh, at home i found in this asian supermarket here in san sebastian that they were selling this it looked like the the joint of, of a bone like the the elbow of a, a serrano ham. So it was a, like a ham that was cured, but like a, a, a cut that doesn't have any value for anything. Uh, so I made like a, a broth with that, kind of like a, a dashi at the end, because I would add a combo at the beginning and katsubushi at the end. So this was like a really 
quick way to make like a strong porky broth with katsubushi. So it, it kind of had like, it is its own thing. I, I don't think it, it, it would be classified in, in any of the classical ramen categories, but it, I, I think it pulled the trick off. You could taste it and, and have like a home ramen experience. I think the most difficult thing for making ramen at home is to get good noodles. I remember this place, Kokolo Ramen. If you would go there uh, on prep time hours, you will you would see this Japanese lady making noodles with machines that looked exactly like Italian pasta machines, but but with the Japanese letters on it. So you you know they, they, these were like Japanese machines, and yeah, and the, and the key thing about this type of noodles, what gives it its chewiness is that it, they're usually made with a, a specific type of salt, like alkaline salt, that it gives them not only the color, but also also the elasticity. Uh, and that's, again, something I haven't seen nowhere else. I think that's only Japanese, as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes from China also. Like, um, they, they have the same sort of thing where they use ashes and stuff to alkaline their, their noodles. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely... I don't think you can call it ramen if it doesn't have those alkaline noodles, you know. Sometimes they're more yellow, sometimes they're less yellow. And uh, a lot of times people think it's because there's egg in them, but actually it's it's not the case. It's completely eggless. It's just a result of the oxidization of the alkaline salts in in contact with the flour and yeah most importantly it's like you said and described it gives it that very satisfying and very like distinctive chewiness and bounciness you know like the the noodles really like you can even stretch them they they bounce back i think that's super super key because uh, there are other like iconic or representative Japanese noodles, uh, like udon noodles that are thick as earthworms or soba, which are uh, like with a specific type of flour. Yeah, buckwheat. Buckwheat, right. So these ones, and this is, again, stuff that I see that it's called ramen and like cheap sushi places. And they use this kind of noodles and they sell it as ramen, which has nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, again, you know, it's like uh, udon noodle and udon like is a completely separate culture with its own thing, like in its own rules and all variations. And, um, you know, udon restaurants and places, they tie much more into like tempura and stuff like that also. I would say like udon has a little bit more of like a traditional vibe, just as soba. Soba has like a very sort of aesthetic, like minimalist sort of like thing to it. And ramen is really sort of like more, a little bit more modern and more popular, you know, also because it's more like you can play around with it more. You know, there's not, there's not a lot of, like with udon, you have very clear broths, you know, like kake, kake udon, or you have it with, you know, Japanese curry those sorts of things but you know with uh, and soba is very very traditional you know you either have it in soup or you have it cold on the side with the big sauces but ramen you know the cool thing about ramen is that the culture is so vibrant like there's so many people especially in japan but like also in the states and in europe that really take a certain style and then like develop it further you know like i mean now the last couple of years there's like a style in in japan that's sort of emerged where people were sort of like oh you know like they like the tonkotsu style but they started making 
in tonkotsu ramen with chicken, right? So only chicken, and they were doing the same amount and um, same thing, making the super milky broth with pure chicken and just cooking it down and emulsifying it in the same way, getting this like creamy emulsified broth. And they th that's why I was saying earlier that like they... Once you keep it the parameters, you know, it's like you saying, oh, you made a dashi with a, with a bone from jamon, you know? Like, I don't know, in my head, it makes perfect sense. You know, this like dried, cured, umami. I mean, jamon is basically pork katsubushi in a way. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like if you keep in those parameters, you know, you are just kind of contributing to the culture rather than like bastardizing something. Yeah, also to, to put it like in perspective, I, I read once that ramen is something Something that evolved after World War II from Japanese soldiers that came back from Japan and and they saw these noodle places in China and they replicated them. So it's something that that is just a half a century old and it makes sense that it's so free and there aren't ramen Nazis as in Paya. There probably are. There probably are ramen Nazis for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely are. But like, I feel like also it's one of the most exciting things about like uh, food culture in Japan. Like, uh, like foodies in Japan, you know, they go and they seek out new style ramens, you know. And it's not like, oh, it's this out of the box. It's sort of like no, it kind of like keeps evolving, it keeps moving forward. And um, it's not like foreigners coming in and saying, I'm going to make a, a, a pork birria ramen, you know, like which you know it doesn't sound too bad actually. But... With barbecue sauce and. Chili con carne. Yeah, exactly. But there is a ramen like with with minced beef, right? That you get the beef like like a couple of spoons of like uh, something that looks like chili con carne. You know what that is? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's um, it's it's uh, minced uh, cooked down. I think it's pork. Um, I'm not sure, but basically it's kind of sweated off, and then afterwards it's mixed together with miso to make this like very thick mince miso paste and you get it like you say as a spoonful in your soup and you kind of mix it into the broth yeah there's definitely a condiment that exists and then i've heard of people saying something that i think that it's wrong and i've never seen but i don't know what you think it's about adding miso to your pork broth or these kind of things i think there is like a miso soup itself and but adding miso like to a ramen broth it's something i wouldn't do at least yeah you know i don't agree actually because i've i've seen um um, I've seen it done and it definitely works. I can think of a very specific example. There's a very traditional dish from Japanese cooking called puta miso, which basically just means pork miso. And it's a sort of soup stew. It's made with sliced pork, burdock, like root vegetables, and then it all gets sweated off in sesame oil and then you add stock and in the end you add miso. And I've seen that being served on udon noodles, which was super delicious, you know, like, okay. yeah, super nice, like thin slices of uh, it's more like a rustic style but super super delicious and there's definitely there's definitely miso ramens yeah for sure no, no but, but uh, I mean I, I was talking about, about the, the miso pork combination but uh, okay cool I didn't knew that one I think especially especially in Hokkaido you know it's like also you have to think of the variation of regions of yeah. climates yeah of climates you know like the butter ramens in Hokkaido where they put like sweet corn in it and stuff and a slob of butter on at the end you know that are much thicker and much richer because of the cold climate. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, that's the cool thing about it. It's so it's so varied. So, um, what, which would you say was your favorite that you've ever had? Um, I would say the the one I, I said the first shio ramen I had because it was the most impressive one. 
was like, yeah. what is this? I've never had something like this. And I actually brought a lot of people to have uh, that same dish. And it was on and on the same reaction. Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. I think it was the first one that I've had also at Coca-Cola in Berlin back back then in uh, Akersha Markt, right? Yeah, exactly. This super small place. Yeah. I remember, like, I think one of my, like, very favorite ones is from a chain in, in Japan called Afuri. And um, they specialize. They have a. Um, they specialize in shio ramen, and they have one with a yuzu, where their broth is flavored with yuzu. Uh, so they have a yuzu shio ramen, and again, it's just like super pungent, super, like crystal clear broth with just just this like fresh yuzu flavor and um very very simple they they put like a little bit of like fresh risuna on top and like greens and stuff and i remember that really stand out was also their soy marinated egg which we didn't talk about which is also really really important for for ramen soups oh yeah this uh halved egg that you always get with the with your ramen yeah 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 and then and like it's uh, again something so simple as a soft boiled egg that you marinate in a mixture of you know soy and kombu and whatever you know depending on your recipe but the way like this was just like like the texture of the yolk after a while becomes just like so waxy and creamy and the flavor is just like so umami packed that yeah it's um it really made that ramen stand out it's uh, definitely in my it's my top ramen for sure sounds amazing that's it for this week's episode of Putlock Food Talks. If you like what we're doing, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok as Putlock Food Talks. The show airs every Monday.